This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Your weekend is not complete without the First Lady of New York Radio. It's the Joan Hamburg Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome to the Joan Hamburg Show. I know, look at us. We're racing into the middle of December, into the Hanukkah and Christmas holidays. How could that have happened? But that's what happens. Time goes by so fast. And today, Sunday, every Sunday, starting at 2 o'clock, you can join us and we bring you amazing guests, good information. In fact, a potato pancake recipe because we're going to celebrate a little bit of Hanukkah. And of course, right behind it is Christmas. But we're going to tell you how if you don't want to peel potatoes, you can get something you might not have thought of in the supermarket and make delicious potato pancakes. And then we've got the one and only magical soprano, Renee Fleming, who is one of the stars of the Mets' new production. And it's very exciting. It's called The Hours, and you're saying, I know that. Well, you probably saw it in the movies or read it in the book. It's all based on that, but it's amazing. And she works with Kelly O'Hara and Joyce DiDonato. And Renee, can you think of three better divas? They're the stars of the new Metropolitan Opera production. And what is so magic, too, is... Yes, going to the Met is a treat. I, I feel, no matter how old I am, so grown up going to the opera. And you know, people still get dressed when they go to the opera. So you know it's an occasion. When I was a kid, I used to go to the neighborhood playhouse on Saturdays where they had wonderful programs for amateurs, but it was special. And my mom would drive in from Long Island and meet me there, and we'd go to theater every Saturday. Just pick a show and go. And everyone would get dressed. Now when you go to theater, everyone is schlumping around in torn jeans, in sweatshirts, whatever. But as long as they're going, we are not going to comment on what they're wearing because it's okay. You've got to keep on going and doing this. And that's why it was exciting that the opera, when out of its tradition and are bringing this amazing piece with amazing people, and you'll be able to see it at a movie theater too on Saturday. It's great. It's based on a Pulitzer Prize winning novel, an Oscar winning film. It's about three women across time, the author Virginia Woolf, Laura Brown, a housewife, and Clarissa Vaughn, Renee Fleming, a book editor, planning a party for her lover, her ex-lover, 
who had AIDS. So it's amazing, and it's something you're really going to like. And we have so many exciting things we're going to teach you, as I said, to make potato pancakes in the food segment of this using, if you don't want to use potatoes, just store products, easy products. And then I'm going to introduce you to an old friend, a journalist many of you know, Betty Rollins. And Betty talked in a piece recently about what it's like to be a widow and how people treat people who have suffered this kind of loss and how they should treat people. But really interesting, and it evoked a great response. So I think you're really going to love all of this. And as always, we have the kind of information that you want. We're going to tell you if you're buying something tech for your parents or your grandparents or relatives or someone who's a little older, what you should know and how you do it, because that stuff is expensive and you want to make sure you're doing the right thing. So we have so much coming up from a little cooking, celebrities, travel, you name it, and we've got it. And don't forget, we do this every Sunday starting at 2 o'clock. And we're also on Twitter, on Facebook, and we share each other's lives, which is important. I always think of all of you as the radio family. And I know, and you have been loyal listeners throughout my career, and I do appreciate that. And we're going to keep on going and celebrating all the good things in life together. And of course, I'm going to take you shopping too. We have to look for great gifts. And by the way, this time of year, New York Magazine does The Strategist. It's a special issue, but it takes shopping for kids, for grown-ups, for everyone, and tells you how to do it and what to buy and where to go, and it makes a big difference. So all I'm asking you is to join me every Sunday starting at 2, and we are going to have a great time. All of this coming up straight ahead. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to your favorite radio station, WABC. Stay tuned. The First Lady of New York Radio. This is Joan Eats. Hanukkah begins at sundown, Dupinth, next Sunday. And of course, when you think of Hanukkah, you think of potato pancakes, or known as latkes, something delicious. It's grated potato, an egg, a little bit of matzo meal or flour, salt and pepper, and not hard to make. You have to peel and grate and dry the potatoes, but you can do that. Or I sort of boil them a little bit and then just the skin comes right off. So here's something. If you love potato pancakes, and that's a traditional Hanukkah food, but you can eat them all the time, and you don't want to deal with working on the potatoes, you can replace frozen hash browns for the grated potatoes. Now, I've never tried it, but people who did 
said it's delicious. And you can go to the market and get a package. Comes in a 20-ounce package. It's called Simply Potatoes. And get the shredded hash browns. And just add a little matzo meal or a little flour, eggs, green onion, black pepper, salt, and oil for the pan, a quarter of a teaspoon baking powder, no more, in the bowl. And you stir that all together, and then you do it. And by the way, if you don't want to go to any trouble, Trader Joe's sells frozen latkes, L-A-T-K-E-S, potato pancakes, for only $3.29 for a 10.6-ounce package. They come with instructions. They're made with real potatoes, real onions, and a little matzo meal, and they are delicious. And then, in most supermarkets, we found golden all-natural frozen potato pancakes. Stop and Shop have them for $3.99. They're usually $5.69 a box, and they're made with good ingredients, and you can cook them in an oven or stovetop. So celebrate Hanukkah, or just celebrate delicious food with potato pancakes. All right, and don't forget, next Sunday, December 18th, that's when you're going to pull out the latkes pan. I'm Joan Hamburg. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm very happy to introduce you or reintroduce you all to um, a terrific journalist, and I know you've known Betty Rollin over the years, a former NBC correspondent. Betty has written many books. The memoirs, First You Cry, that actually was a television movie with um, Mary Tyler Moore. And Last Wish, Betty's involved in um, some very important groups, End of Life Choices, compassion and choices and uh, you know it's interesting because Betty writes many things and does incredibly well as a journalist but she recently had a piece called how to talk to a widow in the times and everyone was talking about this piece were you prepared Betty Rowland for the reaction to this you write important pieces all the time and this touched a responsive chord, and people were talking about this everywhere, including me. <laughs> I was not prepared. How can you be prepared when there's so much going on in the world and in New York? And, you know, I just wrote about what was happening to me in life because I figured it was happening to other people, and then that's my that's what my books are like, that too. Um, and I just can't believe the reaction I'm getting to this piece. Um, it's overwhelming because when I wrote books and got reactions, I mean, two of them were movies. That was very nice. 
But this, the, the uh, technology wasn't what it is today. So I'm, right. I've got about 400 emails that I really feel I want to answer, uh, not to mention, um, uh, and now it's apparently been published all over the world in the uh, International Times. So I'm kind of overwhelmed, and the letters are so moving. And they're from widows, and they're from widowers, and they're from people I went to grade school with, and they're from, you know, people I I don't know but um, should know. And it, it's, I mean, I'm really, I'm about to be 87, and I'm, I did not expect this kind of, I don't know, excitement, really. And, well, um, it's, and because it, you know, um, I lost my husband during the worst part of COVID, and there oh, are. I'm so sorry. There oh. are st- thank you, Betty. There are statistics that you gave out. Eleven point four million widows in society today, and three point four widowers. So it's yes. a huge statistic, and there are things that one rarely thinks about or doesn't until it happens to you. This is is true. This is true. And who was even aware of widows? I mean, I certainly wasn't until I was one. And and there are many, I certainly didn't realize how many more uh, widows there were than widowers. And, you know, when we were young, the 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 deal was you married an older man because he would take care of you and exactly. because that's how it was that's just how life was then and i'm happy to say that's changing that has changed i would say and so i think there won't be so many widows uh in in the future but uh that is you know the, the, those numbers are going right. to change because everybody's going to be about the same age but um uh it it's uh, ast- astonishing how many of us there are and how lonely a lot of us are and how of course how poor some widows are well, that's very interesting that w- widows are more likely than married women to be poor. Absolutely. Did that surprise you in doing your research? That did not surprise me. That did not surprise me. It's not my own situation, uh, just fortunately, because I, you know, I sold books and movies. Right, and and you're a career woman. And I am a career woman. And also, we didn't have children. And for several reasons having to do with breast cancer and right, other health. things but and being and being old uh, when we married but um if you don't have children you probably have more money than people who have children I mean that's just a fact uh-huh. so that isn't uh-huh. a reason not to have children but it's it's just a fact so you know I'm not in a bad situation that way but many widows are in a bad situation that uh-huh. way for sure. Right. And they don't remarry as often as men. And you point that out, that if a man is left alone, there's a good chance he'll remarry and often marry younger women. And marry quickly. (laughs) Remarry quickly, I should say. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what men do, and that's what men can do much more easily than women. Uh, you know, they can they can just start looking around again, and and that's of course harder for women to do even today. I mean, there. I'm glad that something that never existed when when we were young exists now, which is are these. I don't know what they they're called exactly, but you know where you. Uh, do a profile of yourself and and uh, I don't know it's funny I don't know the word for that category of thing but where you can meet somebody online and sometimes right. that works Very popular that works that can you know help that helps uh, I think it's better than you know uh, nothing because women are not invited well to parties especially and anyway today there are no more parties that I, you know, exactly because of the the different COVID from when we came of age, it was very different. There yeah. was a lot more entertaining, a lot of parties, a lot. It, our lives were um, very, very different. Certainly, and you point true. out that you married late in life, or what would be considered today, it wouldn't be so late. You right. were 43 when you married Ed, right? Today yeah. it was like a mere slip of a girl. Yes, well, it's true. It wasn't so odd. I mean, I had been very briefly married before, and but then I got cancer and thought if I don't, I may not live long, so I'm going to get out of this marriage, which Do wasn't too want. great. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, so, yes, uh, my marriage to Ed, I wasn't even expecting at all what I got. I mean, what I got was just something wonderful uh, from this man who was so, we were so very different, but it was just a great, lovely, you know, marriage that that uh, um, was just a, I don't know what to call it. It was, it was a surprise is what it was because I really, my expectations about, you know, my relationships with men at up to that point hadn't been that great and and this this guy turned out to be just wonderful my mother agreed <laughs> well that was a big deal and he wasn't in your world not uh, at he all he was a math a math person a mathematician yeah from the midwest and a brilliant and one you were um, yeah but you and were I was, miss new york <laughs> i was well and another thing I was was uh, couldn't have been uh, worse at, at, at math and had always been. And so he wrote books that I couldn't read, uh, that nobody I knew could read. Yeah. And that was and he told me at the beginning, don't worry about it. Just we'll talk about other things, which is what we did. And, right. uh, and yeah, he, he was a very unusual man because. You had many, many uh, terrific years together, but when he ended up getting sick, he really like seized the moment where we're going to take whatever time we have and try to be as happy as we can. And that's exactly what he said to me when we walked home from the doctor. And it turns out they had missed the cancer that was there. Uh, and so it was extra awful <laughs> that he was about, they gave him, they, they tell you very straight nowadays, they, he, they said two years, which was turned out to be exactly right. And he just said, let's not 
let's not be angry. Let's be as happy as we can. And, so you know, Ed, Ed, Ed was just the kind of person who could who could pull that off and much better than I. I mean, uh, I was acting a bit during the two years, but he was he, he wrote a he wrote a math book as he was dying, which has just been published. Uh, I mean, who does that? So, you know, this was an unusual guy and it made him all the harder to lose. And you you said, or I think I read it, that you have no right to sadness and no right to misery. And I think it was because obviously you look around and we live in this complicated world today. But yes. you do have a right to sadness in my terms. You had a, a very good life together, an important life. And when that's taken away, even the best adjusted person, it's incredibly painful. And it is sad because you've lost a piece of yourself. Well, Joan, it's sad, but after all, I'm old. And and this happens to people who are far younger. And it happens to people Uh who have had far less good lives. And it happens to people who are in terrible straits, which I'm not. I have wonderful friends. Uh, I mean, you know, some of them, some of them kind of disappeared, but most of them did not. And um, Mm -hmm. I consider myself lucky. I don't feel lucky. I I have to be honest. I don't, I mean, nothing is really going to make me happy in in quotes anymore. But, but I do feel, you don't know really. Well, I guess not. It's been it's been a while, though, and I, I, um, I mean, that's the price paid for losing something that was that wonderful. But I don't for a minute feel sorry for myself. How can I feel sorry for myself? I watch, I, I used to be a news correspondent, and so I watch the news a lot. Yeah, a lot and, of bad stuff. Uh, oh, my. I mean, how people are suffering. Am I going to be complain about, you know, being a widow at, 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 at my age or, you know, given what I had and what I still have. So I don't feel sorry for myself, but that doesn't mean I'm, I don't feel sorry for a lot of other widows. Um, and I, I do because it's, the world is not kind to widows, especially. Um, and even sometimes, I mean, I do, the difference, a big difference is not having children, of course, but the children aren't always around. They live in different places. and Yeah, and they're not always, uh, you know, great devoted. children to their mothers at this stage of life. And, and so that doesn't, that, that certainly in most cases makes it, a bit, at least a bit easier, though. But that when wasn't my you situation. Lost, when you lost Ed, and as uh, the time went by, were you lonely, or did you pick up as best you could your life? That's an awfully good question, lonely. Lonely hit me right away. Because we were such friends, my husband and I, we were talking to each other 
all the time, except when he was doing mathematics, of course, which was sacred time. I would right. never dare say a word while he was sitting in there doing his numbers. But otherwise, he was my everything. I mean, in terms of the close, the person closest to me in my life. So, yeah, I felt lonely kind of right away. And um, and that hasn't really gone away, even though my friends are wonderful and even though I continue to see my friends. I'm in the middle of New York. They're nearby. Uh, and I Zoom. I'm crazy about Zoom as a way of right. just getting together with people. People, nobody, I don't know anybody who does that uh, but, but me. It just have, you know, I have, in a sense, and Ed and I were doing that while he was dying. We had dinner with people without dinner. In other words, right. we, we'd Zoom, and there'd be just the four of us, and now it's the three of us. And we have a wonderful conversation, and, you know, the hour's up, and then we go off to our, to our dinners. Uh, but we, it's, it's been an intimate uh, meeting, you know, unlike, I mean, Zoom, you, people usually think of big meetings, but... These are these are get-togethers, and yeah, I love it. <laughs> and and just use it. So it's what I hear from my friends who are alone is that the loneliness is what gets to them. I mean, you know, you live in New York if you do live in New York, and there's something every minute if you want to go for it. Yeah, but who wants to go for something every exactly. minute anymore? I mean, first of all, it's still scary, and... A lot of there are a lot of people who've removed their masks, which they shouldn't, and which I yeah. certainly haven't done. Um, and uh, you know, you have to you have to be careful. And anyway, probably you don't feel all that great to want to be hopping around. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm quite lucky. At, at, I'm about to be 87, and I don't have too many diseases, but I have a few. <laughs> You know, I have arthritis and this and that and the other Normal, thing. Normal, right. And, and um, you know, that keeps you from being too social. And so it's, um, uh, it's, it's, there's a loneliness. And as I say, I was particularly uh, uh, chatty with my husband, and I just miss, I miss his conversation, which was great. And he was also funny, which I loved. I mean, it was... We laughed a lot. Uh, right. You know, I missed and, that. And that's, and that's a gift. Do people ask you, after he had been gone for a couple of months or a year, whether you're interested in meeting other men? They were smart enough not to do that. I mean, it, it, you know, they, are, they have done that. In the, it's now two years, a little over. So I've had some of that recently um but not much of it i think they get it that um that that is not where i'm headed and and um i mean the problem was you know if 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 my husband were were not such a great guy maybe i'd feel differently but i don't see anybody around who in any Replacing. way could yeah and I don't want to get involved with some guy and then be, uh, you know, grouchy uh, because he's not as nice as my husband who died. I, you know, nice isn't the word, but I'm sure yeah. you won't get what I'm talking about. 
And um, so, no, but I, you know, I certainly think that's a great thing to do if you can find somebody else who, who, uh, you know, is a, a great person and you, who you want to spend what's left of your life with. Wonderful. I'm, I mean, what a good thing to do, but not many women do that. No, or, or even want to do that. Or even want to. I think I think there are many who do want to, uh, um, but who can't, and who, don't, who just don't do it, not available to them. But as I say, these, uh, you know, ways of meeting people, I think that's great for everybody who wants to do that. Yeah, they can go online today, and and I know people who have met people just by doing that. Absolutely, if that's what they choose. I love when you wrote. I'm talking to Betty Rollin, who wrote a piece recently in the Times about being a widow. But I love when you talk about how your Christian friends, after Ed passed away, send flowers. Your Jewish friends send food. Food is better, and I got a kick out of that. That's my closing line. I mean, I must say, that that's everybody's favorite line. And I have to tell you, Jonah, hilarious thing that happened two days ago is that two Christian a Christian couple sent me a huge box of food. Friends, friends, right? Sent me a huge box. I, I mean, it's embarrassing. From Harry and David, with so much food, enough for. I mean, remember, I'm mm. alone, so I've been, I've been, you know, giving it away. But it was very funny of them to do that. I mean, they, they, they're given that they're Christian, and I just insulted them by saying <laughs> they, they sent flowers, and they, they, they wanted it to be known that they, no, we're Christians, but we're here, we're sending you food. That's funny. It was very. I funny. know, and very welcome. Well, I think you've got another book because of the great interest in this. I'm telling you, I know more people who are widowed now. It was, I never thought about it till it happened to me. And then I looked around and there are groups of women everywhere. It's true. And they're sad and they're sadder than they need to be. You know, then they're sadder than they should be. And um, it's... uh, you know, it. it uh, I wouldn't have specially noticed. Although, you know, something. I think I did notice. I. I did. I. I feel that I was good to my widow friends because I had been alone a lot in my life. I mean, I hadn't married even the first time till I was thirty-six, and then uh-huh. that was brief. And then again, but you know, I. I understand what it feels like to be alone and. I like to think that I paid more there. attention to my widow friends. Yeah, but um, uh, no, I'm happy. I I I wrote that, and it was. I mean, the Times wasn't really. I certainly didn't expect them to make, you know, place it so wonderfully and all of that. And um, you know, I've just heard from. I can't. I'm just overwhelmed by the reaction. Really. Well, it was a really important piece, and it gave us all food for thought. 
and people have been talking about it. So I'm telling you, there's your next book, unless you're already working on something. No, because, no. <laughs> you know, you're independent. You've always lived your life, even with a very good marriage. And there are sure. a lot of people who live as a wife, even today. And yes. when that's taken away, it's like floundering in deep water and you don't know how to swim. True. And it's you you have to learn it, which sounds very hard, but it's definitely part of the learning process. And as you point out, you you've got to pick yourself up in many ways and try to make the sadness go away and live yeah. your life. Absolutely. You have to be a good sport about it, whether you feel like a good sport or not. I mean, you really do just for your own survival in this in the world that you're now living in without that husband. You have to do it. And, you know, we all try our best, but we falter and we need our friends to stick with us, you know, without uh, I mean, they have their lives and they have their problems. And I think that's very important for for widows to realize that our friends, if they're if they're not being perfect friends, are going through something too, because we're all going through something nowadays. Right. It's just a it's a really kind of a, a sad moment in our right. in our in our history. But um, we have to be even nicer to each other, I think, than than we may feel like being right and be there. And another one, uh, just the other night at dinner, was it said to me, if you're home alone and I don't want to go out every single night, you know, it's a little much. And she said, I find that if I'm home alone, I don't eat. Oh. And I said, what does that mean? She said, well, I'll pick at something. Or if there are cookies in the house, I'll have cookies. But I don't make myself a dinner. Uh -oh. Where, you know, where we always uh -oh. sat down at the table and had dinner. And one of the things I did if I'm home, I have a dinner and I make myself sit down at a table, you know, and set the table with napkins, the whole bit and eat the dinner. Me too. That's a you, very sensible thing to do. It's important, of course, for all the obvious reasons. But yes, and what I also do I mean, this is questionable, this part of it, but I, I do watch the news while I'm eating, which isn't yeah. really it's probably okay. a great idea, but it's better than a soundless room. No, no, I agree. You know, uh, if, if nobody's there. And um, no, I mean, we we do the best we can, but um, we, uh, we need to be recognized as kind of a larger group and exactly. uh, than than people realized so i'm glad i i'm glad i i made some noise about it all right well you did good and i look forward to the next good thank you betty i appreciate your taking the time oh thank you joan for giving me the time anytime betty rollin a former NBC News correspondent, Betty's written many books, including First You Cry, actually a big television movie with Mary Tyler Moore, and Last Wish. Thank you guys for sharing, Betty. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC. The 
First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. A real treat today. The star of a new opera, The Hours, Renee Fleming, one of the great sopranos in the world. I'm absolutely a groupie, is my guest. And this opera, if you haven't seen it yet, you are saying, I know this. Well, it it is based on a film and a novel, and the novel is based on a book, uh, Mrs. Dalloway, the Virginia Woolf book, but it's quite incredible. And Renee Fleming is one of the amazing stars in this so you you probably are tired at this point. You've been working really a lot and hard. Yes, yes. Um, but it's it's been so exhilarating to be involved in something this fresh that is sold out. Audiences love it, are responding to it, uh, and it's it's just been um, wonderfully successful. And I'm just curious, Renee, how did all this come about? Was this your doing? Did someone approach you? Well, I had been working with the composer on a piece, um, a setting of George O'Keefe's letters uh, that had been, it's been really successful. And he said, how about an opera? And I said, yes, absolutely. And so we were talking about titles uh, and, and just exchanging ideas. And uh, somebody said uh, in my office suggested um, on a list, the hours. And I said, oh, that's it. That's definitely it. <laughs> I don't know. Do you, I love the movie. I assume you did, too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And the book, Michael Cunningham's Pulitzer Prize winning book. I said, this is perfect for opera. And people are loving the opera when there must have been a promo running through the station because I got two calls this morning saying, oh, my gosh, we saw this. It's fresh. It's unbelievable. It was yeah. such a treat. And Good. Oh, I'm glad. It's like theater. It's going. It's more going exactly. to the theater, you know, with gorgeous music uh, and um, you know so many chorus and orchestra and singers and dancers. It's big. It's big, but it's very modern. No, and it's got so much going on. And I'm just curious, who determined who's going to play what role? Are you playing the role that you want to play? I am. Yeah, I, I am. And so Kevin wrote it for each of us. So he was able to compose exactly to our voices, which was wonderful. And I, you know, I wanted to play um, Clarissa Vaughn because I just thought it would be so great for once in my career to play somebody who's from my time, basically. You know, this is, takes place in the 90s. I still have clothes from the 90s. Yeah, believe me, I have clothes from before that. I used to have a closet which had size 8 and then size 12. And people would say, why don't you throw out the size 8? I'd say, are you crazy? I could probably wear them again in a month. Exactly, so. I'm with you. I keep I keep three different sizes, you know. Right? I just know. You know, when people say you look great, you've lost weight, I always say it will pass. <laughs> That's a good line. I may borrow it. Yeah, yes. Because it's something we all need. But you took a couple of years off from the Met. And was from the that Met, yeah. an interesting time in your life, or did you miss it a lot? Well, I mean, first of all, 
two of those years, you know, was the pandemic. So nobody right. was singing, nobody was working ex- other than digitally. Anything. Yeah. And I did digital work for the Met too. And then, um, and then I picked up touring again and I've been working like crazy ever since. So I mostly, I think people imagine that, that if you sing opera, you only sing at the Met and you only sing, you know, opera, but I mostly sing concerts with orchestras around the world. And th- and that's exciting, and you've been doing it that is. too yeah, for a long time. And the yeah, hours is. is so interesting the 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 complicated day in the life of three complicated women, right? And and three, you know, the high anxiety situations, um, tragic situations, uh, and the other characters are fascinating. The person that I most love has AIDS, and and um, it, which is a is which is um, heartbreaking to revisit, especially now when we're just still in the in in we haven't gotten pandemic. rid of this pandemic. Yeah. No, it, it is awful. But to be able to be in something new that can relate to you and to all people in that Correct. range, it brings it home. It's so real. Right. Right. And. Right. And opera can rights. tell the three, well, there are three periods. There's Virginia Woolf's life, there's a 50s uh, housewife uh, in Laura Brown, and then there's Clarissa Vaughn, who's kind of remade uh, a kind of a right directly out of Mrs. Dalloway and the, the uh, book. And so they're all living lives at the same time on the operatic stage, which is something we can do because the music enables us to do that. Right. And your character was, I remember in the film, it was a Meryl Streep role. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, the, the, not the shoes you really want to fill or try no, to fill. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, singing is so different. Um, it, it's really not the same at all. We don't have no. control over the tempo or the, or the pitch or any of those things. We, it's, it's quite a different animal. So when you were approached about this, it it had to be really a relief because how often does an opera star, a, a soprano, get to play a very modern person and a right. woman that so we all know fun. and can relate to? Right. Well, the other major premiere I did was uh, Blanche Dubois in a street car named Desire. Yeah, and so that. it's just, it's just wonderful to do something that no one else has done. You're not being compared with centuries of other performances. No. And when you think about your journey, it's really an amazing story. You know, how yes. it started, how you how you never gave up. And you also ended up doing firsts that had not been done before. So right. for those of yeah. us, it's very exciting, and it's changed the way many of us look at music, look at opera, and look at the chances that you've taken well, during your career. I mean, just singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl, I mean, How that's great. not something I would have expected to be doing, and that was incredible. Did that make you nervous, or was oh, it 110 million people oh. tuning in, and it's live. You know, I was terrified, but you have to, you just have to keep practicing and practicing because a lot can go wrong in the National Anthem, honestly. 
You mean in terms of the lyrics and everything? It's hard, yeah, and it's also very rangy. This is why it's it's hard for the audience to sing too. Mm. So, but special, and it makes a difference. Definitely, yes. And you know, I remember so because I have friends who live in Aspen, right around the corner from the music festival. When you were um, oh, a great. kid. And spending a lot of time there with a lot of other talented people. But right. um, you were doing unbelievable things then. Well, now I run I run the opera department there with uh, my colleague Patrick Summers. So I'm now helping young singers on their track. Which is great. And yeah. even when you were at Juilliard, you were singing in jazz clubs. And that wasn't the usual but you right. went ahead and did it, and it it helped get yeah. you through Juilliard. I always have loved singing jazz, and I, lo I still am a fan, and I listen, and I go hear my friends play. Mm. Has yeah. Juilliard, you think, and you're so involved, changed a lot since you were a grad student there? I don't think so. I think it's still, they're devoted to producing the, the best quality um, artists that they can in all of these different disciplines, so... You know, the, the environment is a little bit more challenging, uh, especially now after we have to encourage people to go out to their theaters and their concert halls and even the movie theaters and just, just get out of the comfort of the home and, and, and try to, even if you're wearing a mask, um, support these arts organizations, Broadway, all of it. No, I agree. And it's at a very delicate time in the world right. of the arts. And, yes. you know, whether you go to the Met or you go to see a Broadway show, yeah. there's still angst, and it's really important. Put your mask right. on and go, because this is the heart and soul of our cultural life and our life in this city, and we have to have it, and we have it's to true. all support it. It's true, and if we don't support it, it go, it will go away, and and that would be tragic, also for the tourism of the city. So, um, so that's my two cents. Because honestly, I'm going, I'm going almost every night to see something, and loving it, you know. And if if I see anybody with sniffles or anybody who coughs, I immediately put my mask on. Yeah, and I, I'm just sorry that they took away the mask rule. Because I think it's not the answer, but it definitely is a step in helping avoid some of these things. So, Makes people feel more, right? more um, Secure. at ease. Yeah, yeah. Put your mask on and then go. And you can right. get tickets for things. Go out of your comfort zone, as Renee said. Go see things. Maybe you haven't been to the Met in years. None of us have done anything in over two years. So right. it's time to... Step right. out and go exactly. do things that you've never done before. So exactly. you started in doing small concerts and things. And then when you uh, won yeah. the opera audition, you were 29. And it all started. Was, was that what you would consider when you look back, the major break? It was the it was... first major break. Absolutely. There were a few others, but that was definitely the first one because it, def it, it kind of opened the door to me performing in opera houses. And once you get one engagement and it goes well, 
you know, you have to be to take a risk and then succeed. You know, you really have to kind of put yourself in a position where you can exceed when somebody gives you a chance. Yeah. And and you did take chances and you did things like the Seattle Opera. I mean, people think, oh, it's all New York, but it isn't all New York. It's all right. over America. Right. Right. It's true. Um, that was so. And, and frankly, you know, I've been singing now for for, um, well, truthfully, a number of decades. And so I've had a long recording career and won four Grammys. And, you know, just all of this experience helps support you in the other things you like to do, because I'm extremely passionate about the intersection of arts and health. I think I think the arts should be embedded in, in our healthcare system from bottom to top. But, you know, you've talked about that a lot, and many of us find that really fascinating. What sort of awakened your interest and your attention to this collaboration between music and and art and health? I started reading that researchers were studying music to understand neuroscience and the brain, and I found that surprising and fabulous. And so I met Dr. Francis Collins, who was running the NIH at the time at a dinner party. And I had just started as consultant to the Kennedy Center in Washington and said, two great national institutions, can we collaborate? Because I think we could provide a platform for science. And I think our audience would love to know why they like music and what effect it has on the brain. And so that's what we've been doing. And the research held up that there really absolutely. was solid information behind it. Yes, absolutely. Really wonderful. Um, so, yeah, I feel very fortunate to be fascinated and stimulated and working at this intersection. I've just handed in a, a long book um, of an anthology that, that talks about uh, from different researchers and healthcare providers and artists all kind of sharing the breadth of the work at this intersection. You know, it's unbelievable when you said that you were not going to do what many of us considered traditional parts. And that was when in 2017, would you have imagined that all that happened after that? All the things that you yes. have done and taken chances on me. We yes, were thinking no. maybe you'd retire, and here we are. No. Yes, absolutely. No, that 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 was. Uh, I'm too young to retire. I've got some more years to You've go. You've got a lot of years. Yeah, have to keep. And, uh, yeah, my husband keeps threatening to. You know, I said no. You can't retire if I'm not retiring. I don't want you to be mad at me for not being home. well you know that's the thing i remember when i was married so many years ago i said to him i'm not going to be a milk and cookies um wife so this (laughs) is it you can pay attention or be disappointed your choice right (laughs) i love it milk and cookies yes which you know it's hard i'm going to take that line that's a good line yeah, but it's true because it's different. But you look at the wonderful girls you brought up, and right, how are those beautiful? One is girls? getting married. One is getting oh married gosh. in about ten days. Yeah, very exciting. Is she being married here in New York mm-hmm. or where? Yep, yep, downtown. Yes, oh so my happy gosh, for that's her. Hard to believe. And her younger sister just got engaged, so we're going to have two You're weddings. Uh, yes, I'm that's so a lot. You better sing a lot of opera. 
I know. Trust Two me. Two weddings yes. can break well, the I, bank. I, yes. I knew this was going to happen. Been saving the pennies. Yeah. Well, that that's really great. Are guys that they're marrying in the arts? Uh, the yes, one is a film composer, but the other is a does software engineering, but he's still a, a terrific musician as well. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm very excited great for you. To you, Joan. Yes. And all the best. The hours you. you've all got to see at the Met. It's an absolute treat and a thrill, and we'll talk well, again it's in, very soon. I recommend soon. the HD. It's in the movie theaters on Saturday. I, know, I, I recommend love that HD. Yes, it's metropolitanopera.org. Hopefully, you can find your local theater. That was a brilliant idea when they started yes, this. And I agree. It makes, it's so accessible. It's a gift. All it right, really my does. dear. All the best Thank to you. you. Congratulations to the girls. We'll talk soon. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. I'm Joan Hambrick, and you're listening to WABC, and that was one of the greatest sopranos in the world, the one and only Renee Fleming. More ahead. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The First Lady of New York Radio. This is Ask Joan. A lot of people are trying to figure out what kind of gifts to get. Their parents or their grandparents end up giving a tech gift. And the question is, how do you choose a new device for your mom or for your dad? And older adults are relying on technology more than ever to stay connected for everyday tasks, whatever it is, they're getting it as gifts, they're using it. But the truth is, it's a really good idea, but not everything is best for older adults. You have to understand how they'll be using it. And if they have any cognitive issues or physical issues to be aware of. So I turned to CANDO, C-A-N-D-O-O, technology, which deals with this. It's great if you don't know about it. And they gave me some of the questions that you have to know when you're shopping or looking for something new. How comfortable are your parents or the adults you're buying for with technology? And you know that according to Pew, that's research, almost 75% of older adults were frustrated or confused by technology. There are many who are sophisticated, but if your relative is a total tech newbie, make sure you're getting something that's easy to use. And CanDo says get a tablet over a laptop or a computer for those who are new. Does your family member wear hearing aids? That's very important because almost two-thirds of adults over age 70 have hearing loss, which can impact their ability to learn and to use technology. 
So make sure any new device you're giving them can be connected via Bluetooth technology. So, I mean, there are so many things that are important. Does your family member have visual issues? That can be adjusted, so you do want to know that. Does the individual have mobility limitations? Like some can't hold a tablet or swipe a screen. Others have trouble using a mouse or pressing a keyboard. So check and see what you need to help with the gift. And how and where will the device be used? Does someone want to travel with the device? Do they want to use it? at a desk or a table? Do they have Wi-Fi at home? I mean, these are basic questions. So will the user want things that you didn't think about? So absolutely. By the way, if you or a family member need help selecting a device and learning how to use it, can do said reach out to them it's CANDO, C-A-N-D-O-O, Tech, and it's support, that's where you're reaching out, support at CANDOTech.com or call 646-758-6606 and they will help you and they'll get whatever you want and they'll lead you to the right decision and then get the person you gave it to all ready to go on and to use it. By the way, we're coming up to the three o'clock, so don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. There's lots of great programming all day long on WABC. I'm Joan Hamburg.